1: It's 7.06 on a Saturday morning. What do you think is going to happen on radio today? It's going to be the Lawn and Garden Show. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I can answer just about, just about any question you have about gardening, about flower growing, about lawn maintenance, about tree care, about shrub pruning, about houseplant playing with while you're inside the house. If you have a question about anything in the natural world, Give me a call, 404-872-0750, 404, 872-0750. I had another case that this is just totally practical knowledge, and it's 707, not many of you are eating breakfast right now, and so that's good, because what I'm about to tell you is something you don't want to listen to while you're eating, It has to do with a smell, a great smell, a smell that grabbed me by the nostrils and took me down the sidewalk in front of my house and said, something's dead over here. And sure enough, I went up underneath the camellia bushes at the edge of my property, and another sorry possum had given up the ghost over there under the camellias and was, as they say, stinking to high heaven thinking enough to get to the front door of my house, and I didn't want to smell that possum for another four or five days. But I have dealt with this situation before, and you may have the same situation at your house. No matter where you are, if you have a dead animal and you don't particularly care, if it's outdoors anyway, and you don't particularly care to do much about it, here's one thing you can do that will solve your problem. Boom, right there. Go get a sack of pine chips. pour it over the body. call it a day. It'll be done. You will not smell that possum. I do not smell that possum. He is gone. He is out of my mind because the pine chips covered up enough to keep the odors from the wind, I guess, it pick up the odors, the molecules of smell that come from the possum's body and they don't get the wind and't pick it up because it's covered with pine chips. All you have to do, cover it with pine chips. up in North Georgia, they commonly, commonly use wood chips up there to compost chickens, sometimes dead livestock, dead cows, horses, and things like that, mostly chickens in North Georgia, where when you have a huge chicken farm where you have sometimes as many as hundred birds might die in a day, just natural, you know, natural deaths of various reasons why chickens die. What are you gonna do with them? You bury them, pretty soon you've got all your burial space has been taken up. But if you compost them in wood chips, they'll decompose and you can take the wood chips, the decomposition uh, material and spread it on your pastures. doesn't smell, fertilizes the grass. Everybody is happy. Just a little bit of information there for everyone to know. And now you can go back and eat your Wheaties. Blake is in Cumming, Georgia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Blake, good morning. Hey, how are you? Hey, man. You got something to talk about English, Ivy, like I said to the fellow before?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd come in on the tail end of it. Yeah. Um, so I've cut my English ivy from about chest height and ripped it off the trees. Some oh, of the okay. trunks,
2: or the, or the vines, were as
0: big around as my arm. Oh, yeah, it is. So it has been sure. there for years. Do I need to take down any of the trees?
1: No. Why would you want to now, take them down?
0: Well, some of them, the bark ripped off all the way around when I was mm-hmm. pulling the ivy off, and I've read that... If the bark rips, up, rips off all the way around, yeah. then it's susceptible to d- disease and to take them down.
1: Yeah. What kind of tree is it? Do you know, Blake?
0: Uh, I don't know. It's so covered in English ivy. I mean, you can't even tell. <laughs> you can't
1: even tell what it is. Is it a pine? Do you think it could be a pine or could be no, maple? No, it's not or a pine. Tulip poplar? It,
0: it, it's a hardwood.
1: Hang on, Blake. Uh, you, you're not positive, I don't think, yet, that the entire cambium and phloem layers, are the layers that carry moisture up and down in the tree— you're not positive yet that you really did, went in deep enough to pull them off. And that would be pretty unusual, it seems to me, to pull that much of the bark off with one ivy vine. So I think I'd wait. I think yeah. I'd wait until Well it wasn't one, happens.
0: it was wrapped all the way around yeah. the tree. So I still so think, think unless you have, on them?
1: unless you have some reason to take the tree down, mm-hmm. I would not blame the English ivy yet. I'd wait until May or June and if the leaves on this whatever tree it is, is <laughs> they turn brown. Take it down. If they're not brown, then leave it up. Okay. Nothing to it. All right. I well, hey, appreciate Blake. your time. Hey, thanks for calling, man. 404 gets you in. To take Blake's place there. Charlie, that Marietta. Hey, Charlie, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hope you're having a good day. Oh, man, I'm having a great day. So far, so far, Charlie, I'm doing fine. Good. I
3: have a raised garden bed for my vegetables. Yep. I still have broccoli and Brussels sprouts.
1: Yeah, sure.
3: Um, My broccoli crowns are not as big as I would like, so I have been covering them with frost cloth.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: I know it's going to get really cold next week. Is the frost cloth adequate? Should I put a blanket over them at night, take it off during the day? What's the best thing to do?
1: For broccoli, I think you're fine. Frost cloth raises the temperature underneath by at least three, five maybe degrees, and there are different thicknesses, I guess, of frost cloth, and each one has a different number of degrees it will hold heat, earth Mm -hmm. heat in. Mm -hmm. And so I bet you that you'll have plenty of, of protection for broccoli, particularly because broccoli and collards and kale, I guess, but the three of those are really resistant to damage from freezing. And so even though it's going to be down, they say, in the teens next week, I don't think they're going to be hurting, particularly if you have the frost cloth over the top. I don't see there's any damage possible.
3: Okay, because I've lost broccoli before when it got down into the teens.
1: Teens and windy would be the big hazard to them. But again, the frost cloth is going to protect from wind as well. So I think you're fine. Now, as far as the size of the heads, Charlie, on the broccoli, Uh don't think that you're going to get huge heads of the broccoli just by waiting and waiting and waiting, because if you wait when it gets warm in March or very early April, you know broccoli will, will bolt the Right. Come yeah. And then it won't taste good. So right. in some cases, it's almost better to eat what you got and don't worry about it getting any bigger. You may right. want to do that. Okay.
3: Yeah, the time I lost it before when, you know, one day it was great and the next day it had been frozen. Yeah. At least had broccoli soup. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not?
1: And you can eat the leaves. You can eat everything above ground on a broccoli plant. Sure you can. Okay, great. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Great talking to you, Charlie. Thanks for calling 404 eight seven two zero seven fifty That's exactly the number, 404-872-0750. Gail, Dawsonville, Pruning. Hey, Gail, good morning.
5: Good morning. I need to prune back my fig tree. It's
1: uh, probably called a two-story
5: house. It's for that step. Um, but how how do I trim it back, like two-thirds and mm-hmm. at the branches or above the
1: fork the, the there, or what? And you want to prune it, Gail, the fig, because it's just too big. Is that right?
4: Correct. Yeah.
5: Okay.
1: Here's my thoughts on that. Um, we can prune the fig, no, no doubt about that, but here's some techniques that will make you more likely to have figs this year and not skip a year because severe pruning on a fig will shock the buds and shock what's left of the tree and think it's more teenagers than old productive fig bush so when you do your pruning make your cuts just beyond an existing limb don't leave any stubs because the stubs will re-sprout sure but those new juvenile sprouts that come out are the ones that'll tell the rest of the shrub rest of the fig say we're all 14 years old and, and Literally, I mean, in human terms, we're teenagers and we are not ready yet to bloom to have figs for Gale. So what you want to do is make a pruning cut just beyond an existing limb so that all the energy that's left on the fig will go out into that existing limb and won't be nearly as much teenage growth, juvenile growth on it. Um, Try as best you can, and I know it's tall and it's wide as well, but do as best you can to remove the tall stuff and try to leave as much horizontal branching as you can, because horizontal branches are the ones that make the figs, so don't have any tall, tall, tall ones if you need to prune them down. During the year, the tall ones, again, would be the ones to choose to go, and the horizontal ones to leave alone, at least until you've harvested figs, and then prune it after you've had your figs and eaten them.
5: Okay. And um, a question about a lemon tree. My lemon tree got bugs on it, Uh so I sprayed it with an organic spray, but now there's still that if you do stuff on it? Do yeah. I wipe that
1: off with alcohol? I would more use a uh, little bit of soapy water. Use a very mild soap rather than dish detergent and okay. um, Castile soap or ivory soap that you mix with water. As long as it says soap, it's not likely to hurt the leaves, but if you want to be very sure, of course, you can buy one of the commercial uh, insecticidal soaps and use that. But that'll clean the leaves as well as killing insects too. Same same product, those okay. two things.
5: Okay, well, that's what I bought. Um, I've had two different ones, but they were all organic and natural. Yeah. Uh, and it, I hope it cleaned everything up, but it's yeah. just real sticky and so happy feeling. So I thought I should clean that up.
1: Okay, all right, sounds good. Okay, thank you so much. Sure, Gail, thanks for calling. 404 750 is the number. And note what I just said. I was very, very careful there to say soap. And I said soap three, four times maybe. Dish detergent, Dawn in particular. I don't know why everybody thinks that Dawn dish detergent is the miracle substance for gardening, for houseplants, for insect control, for gosh, lots and lots of things. No, it's not. Dawn dish detergent. No, it's not anything to be used on plants. The reason for that is because it is a detergent, not a soap. And detergents are way chemically different from soaps. They both do the same thing. They emulsify oils. They make the oil lift off your skin so you wash wash your hands and, and fruits and vegetables and clothes and things like that. Detergents do a great job getting oil off of clothes and making it lift off so that your clothes and hands are clean. But detergents also dissolve wax, and they dissolve the wax on the leaves of plants and cause the leaves to turn brown, and you'll be taking a big old chance if you use Dawn detergent or any other joy or any other detergent on your plants because they are very likely to hurt the leaves of the plant. Be careful. Don't use Dawn. If you've got to use something, use a soap, and if you've got to use something really safe, use an insecticidal soap made by a company who has tested it to make sure that it doesn't hurt plants. It's 718. We'll be back after this.
0: It's a silver anniversary 25 years of Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden Show, right here on
2: WSB.
1: And I will have to correct Clark Howard. It is 25 years and one week. We are working on our 26th year of the Lawn and Garden Show on News Talk WSB. Quick weather update brought to you by Acoma Security. Mostly sunny, warming up a bit. 50 is a high today, 32 the low. Tomorrow, partly cloudy. On Sunday, high of 53, low of 31. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And following up on our question about pruning the fig uh, just a moment ago, we've got Bonnie in Buford who wants to have a little question about pruning a crepe myrtle, which I certainly have things to talk about crepe myrtles. Hey, Bonnie. Good morning. Good morning, Walter. Hi. Um, hey, listen.
5: I know you don't normally prune crepe myrtles, but I have about a 20-year-old crepe myrtle that's, that's tall. Yeah. And it's been wonderful. Um but it was murderized about you know, uh, <laughs> nine years ago, right before I bought the home. Yeah. and I've been restructuring it. I've been letting oh, it yeah. grow back up. So my my the idea now is now I've got too many vertical branches going up on this thing. Okay. The tree was like a they had like a four leg base. The legs are about uh, when they branch up now. Uh, they're about. Five, five and a half inches in diameter or so. I've got one of those four branches that have further branched not into two but four.
1: Mm, man, and, should... and
5: each of the four branches coming up from it are about three to three and a half inches in diameter. Yeah, and I was going to whack yeah. one of
1: those off. Sure, sure. But I just you, don't know how far to go. You, uh, wherever Bonnie's happy, <laughs> wherever Bonnie is happiest <laughs> is fine with me. You, <laughs> you, and I, and all of us know that it doesn't kill a crepe myrtle to prune it severely. It just makes us unhappy. It makes the plant look sort of weird and ugly, and we don't murder crepe myrtles if we can at all help it. And what you're doing, Bonnie, though, is restructuring, as you said, the one that got murderized several years ago, and you're giving it more branches and limb structure that you think is is more graceful, more more Uh beautiful in the landscape. Right. And for that, there's no reason for you not to take out the big limb that you think is just doesn't quite fit where it's supposed to. Go ahead, cut it out, as long as you're Leaving things that make you happy, and make the crepe myrtle happy, and make me happy, then we're all. Good.
5: <laughs> well, I don't want to damage
1: the tree, you know, and,
5: and you know weaken it because it's such a mature tree. You're not Any hints
1: it. for me? Oh, okay.
5: Any hints for me to keep just them going in general, overboard? On in it?
1: general, and this is not particular for your case, but in general, what I remove from a crepe myrtle in the wintertime are the bushy parts in the middle that are not going to bloom very much at all. So it sort of thin out the middle a little bit, mm-hmm. removing... Usually I would take limbs all the way down to their base, not clipping them in half, but take them all the way down to the base, cut them off there, and uh, if it's and, sort of... leave a
5: collar on it, right? Yeah, we'll, leave a little we'll, collar we'll, when you make the pruning okay. cut. And then uh-huh.
1: the, as long as the tree seems relatively open in the middle and has not a real thick outer shell that'll shade the inside, Leave it at that. Or you can do what some people call finger pruning, which is you take everything smaller than a finger out of the tree, go down to whatever point it becomes bigger than a finger, cut everything above that point away, and that will give you a pretty nice looking crepe myrtle too. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Either way works, right. but happiness is what we're looking for. If you're not happy when you're finished, then keep working. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Right. Sure, buddy. Thanks for calling. Let's see. Oh, Francis, Francis, I got to talk to you about your lizards. What have you got, Francis?
3: Oh, my gosh, Walter. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. The, I have baby geckos that are coming in my house. During the summer, they're yeah. all outside. I mean, they're just, I don't know why they love my house. And now they've started coming in my house. <sighs> what about you?
1: Man. Now, Francis, this is a great question, and you're not the first person to call me about this. But I knew the answer to the first person who asked me, who was my neighbor Lisa, who suddenly looked above the doorway to her, her den, and there was a gecko on the ceiling, and she said, "What the heck?" Her mm-hmm. daughter Chrissy lives in Augusta, and the gecko had evidently, you know, can't come in on Chrissy's something clothes, bicycle, who knows what she was bringing back from college, and so the gecko this oh, a month ago now. Was in the house and Chrissy got it underneath a piece of Tupperware and took it outside and that was the end of that. But continuous gecko infestation like Francis has, what are we going to do about that? Mmm.
3: And it's not a lot, you know. It's like one or two, but one or two is too many. Yeah. I mean, it's nobody just, wants to yeah. see
1: a gecko running in places where you don't expect to see a gecko, which is not in Atlanta. Right. You know, Francis, I don't have anything to give you as far as environment that you can modify, which is the first thing you think about. How can I modify the environment? Obviously, they have something to eat, some little source of moisture somewhere. I don't imagine the population will build because it's just not... Atlanta ain't gecko country. This is where they dry out. They don't have many insects to eat during the wintertime. So I would not expect them to get many more of them in the house. But what you do now for in the house... Do like Chrissy, get a piece of Tupperware and a piece of cardboard and put it over the top and slide underneath and pitch them out the back door. They won't live outside for very long in these temperatures. So that gecko will not be able to come back into the house. But as far as what you can do in the house to trap them, no, I can't think of anything there. I think we just keep trapping and removing and the population I guarantee is going to go down until you have zero gecko per day sighted in your house, Francis. on a Saturday morning, this is and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener. For every corner of Georgia, we have garden information here to answer your questions, your problems, your things that's going on in your head. You think, now, why do I do that? How do I do that? What's the best way of doing this other thing? My advice is based on research, based on science, based with a little bit of experience. Moved in there a little bit when I have had experience with it. I will tell you what I know. We go to the phones now, for, again, 404 And we try in the morning at 730 to have as many beginner gardener questions as we possibly can. Nate fits that description to a T. Nate's in Tucker, Georgia. Hey, Nate, good morning. Morning. So what have you got, Nate?
0: Uh, well, we just bought a house in Tucker. Uh, the backyard has about seven trees and is covered in kudzu and pine straw. <laughs> all
1: right. um,
0: and we are clearing all of that out and... Um, the house faces about southeast, um, and we're trying to figure out what grass to plant and when yeah. to plant it.
1: You're going to take all the trees out, is that right, Nate? You're going to take them all down? We're going to
0: try to. That's um, there's about six or seven uh, pines, pines, and two sweet gums.
1: Okay, I can't think the world would be any better off to have those pines or sweet gums stay. So <laughs> yeah, take them down. Um, If you said maple or maybe, you know, hickory or something, well, we might think about that a little bit. But sweetgum trees are a nuisance because of the balls, and pine trees are a nuisance because they just, I don't know, pine trees just don't do anything for me. But we're going to take them off, which means to me, Nate, that you'll have full sun back there, right? Full sunshine in the backyard.
0: We should. um, The only thing that would block it would be the deck that's back there. Uh, It's like a 12-by-22-foot deck,
1: Um, and that'd be about it. Okay, we're fine. That's the biggest thing, biggest question to ask always when you're starting a lawn, or when you're redoing an existing lawn, how much sunshine do I get? Because you match the grass to the amount of sunshine you get. No matter how badly you want to grow Bermuda, if you're in the shade, it is not going to grow there. And no matter how, how badly you want to grow fescue in the sunshine, in full baking sunshine with no irrigation in the, in the summertime, fescue is not going to be happy in full sunshine. So in full sunshine, Nate, I think you've got one, two, three pretty good choices. There are Bermuda grass, zoysia grass, centipede grass for full sunshine. The Bermuda centipede, and what was the other one? Zoysia. Zoysia? Z-O-Y-S-I-A, zoysia. And okay. the differences between the, the three are somewhat in the color. Centipede is a more of a grayish green than the other two are. But centipede doesn't require a lot of maintenance at all. It doesn't require being mowed a lot. It doesn't require a lot of fertilizer. Centipede is just one of those creeping grasses. sits where it's supposed to go. It's not invasive or anything. So there are advantages, advantages to centipede lawns. than Bermuda grass, that's the one where it's deep green, and all your friends come over and say, wow, Nate, look at your backyard. That's really green back there. You say, yeah, that's my Bermuda back lawn. <laughs> you brag on it to them. Uh, many Bermudas, on the other hand, are started from sod. Sod is not as cheap as seed is, and so it's expensive, more expensive to lay Bermuda sod than it is to sort start a lawn from seed. Zoysia, our third grass, Zoysia, there are a lot of sodded varieties, but there are a couple of seeded Zoysias. So if you wanted to save money, you could conceivably seed the backyard with Zoysia and save a little money that way, although it will take a little bit of time for the seed to germinate, for it to get thick and to cover over. So you have to worry about mud and, you know, things like that during the time the seed is, is establishing itself. So just on those bare bits of information, Nate, do you have a leaning? Do you, do you have the money to buy sod? Do you want to try seed? What's your thoughts?
0: Have we just put in garage doors yesterday, so nope. <laughs> <Not
1: for size. laughs> no, okay, let's go is least expensive here very likely it's going to be zoysia seed the most commonly available zoysia seed is called zenith z-e-n-i-t-h zenith zoysia Uh, the time to plant is not now because it has to have warm soil to germinate rapidly and uniformly so we don't even think about it until early may when the soil is really nice and warm you sit on it for a while and not get cold but then that's when the uh, zoysia seed is happy is early may and I've got details on all this stuff on my website, Nate, so I'm not going to go over all the details of how to start a seeded zoysia lawn. So you can go to WalterReeves.com, just type in zoysia, and take you to the pages you need. But um, the basic thing about beforehand on soil preparation, I do want to go a little bit too. You have plenty of time now, Nate, to do a soil test or to have the University of Georgia do a soil test for you. All you have to do is get the soil. And the way to do a soil test or have one done is uh, go to my webpage. I got another webpage for you. It's georgiasoiltest.com. Okay. And georgiasoiltest.com has the details on how to do a soil test, who to send it to, etc. If you run by a pike nursery, you're not too far from the Toco Hill Pike. Usually, pike nurseries have soil test bags and instructions from the University of Georgia there on the front cashier counter. So you can run by there or call them first, maybe, and ask to make sure you can go by and get one from them or you can know, order it from. GeorgiaSoilTest.com page. Either way it works, um, and the soil test, when it comes back to you in just a few days, will tell you, Nate, how much lime. That's important. How much lime? What kind of fertilizer you need for your zoysia? Um, some ideas on whether you need to add more magnesium to the soil. What kind of soil? What kind of fertilizer analysis is best for starting seed? It gives a lot of good information there. So I really encourage you to do a soil test now. Before May, so you have some information of how much lime should be mixed in And some things like lime can be mixed in right now You just dig it in, till it in, spread it, let the rain dissolve it in, whatever you like But now's a good time to get all that done before you plant the seed in spring
0: All right, perfect, awesome, thank you so much
1: Nate, it's my great pleasure This is a great question, we're trying to feature it in our Beginning Gardener podcast Which we are, every week now, actually is selecting two or three maybe questions from the whole three-hour show and we'll put that as a separate podcast at uh, WSB. If you want to find the podcast, Nate, that you're going to be in, we think, in a couple of weeks, you can go to my website, WalterReeds.com, and type the word podcast. We'll give you the link to the WSB page. It has all the podcasts on it. Thanks for calling, Nate. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Walter. Have a good day. You bet. We'll see you soon. 404 750 is my number. Way down in South Georgia, Henry comes to us. Get my cursor over here. Hey, Henry, good morning. Hey, morning. hey Henry, what's going on? For cinnamon trees
2: you had mentioned uh, two or three weeks ago. Yes, sir. I got two planted that's already producing. The nice. roots extend way out and you see little trees popping up from the roots. Sure. With those roots, I mean with the little trees, would they produce persimmons if you plant them?
1: Well, it depends. Oddly enough, persimmons have both a male tree and a female tree. And if the roots that you see came from the tree that you have planted that's, for, that's producing fruit now, yes, those will be female trees. You'll have fruit from them. If on the other hand, there's any chance that the fruit drops seeds, that your persimmons drop seeds and they sprouted there, then it could be either male or female. You don't know, seeds, no way to tell which one they are. So, I guess the easiest thing to do, to Henry, is to take a little light shovel and dig underneath the sprout and see if it is connected to the main root of your fruiting tree. If it is, you have a girl, fine, transplant it.
2: Well, that, that's what I've done. I tried to pull one up, and it was pulling up the whole big root.
1: Good. That's a clone yeah. of the mother tree, and it is female. Right. And, uh, yeah, and you can move it. This well, is was, very uh, likely an American persimmon tree. The small, like ping pong sized fruit, and they're you know, very,
2: It's, it's, Deloitte, uh, it's the large. It? large one, like you were saying?
1: Oh, like an Asian one. Oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, good deal. Either way, you got to have a female, and you've got it. Okay. Where are you calling I, from, Henry? I, I know, know this tree.
2: I dig some, and I extend my garden, my persimmon garden. Yeah,
1: sure. Dried persimmons are really tasty. But where are you calling from, Henry?
2: Well, I'm in a small community called Dixie. It's, it's the last county in Georgia, which is Brooks County.
1: Right down the, the Florida line, aren't you?
2: Right on the Florida line. You go about yeah. eight miles south of me, you'll be in Florida.
1: Quitman is the county seat in Brooks County, if Brooklyn I'm not mistaken. Is the county seat. And That's let's it. see, it's what, a little town. Boston is not too far from you. Boston is there. Pidcock is there. Hey, Hire, Cairo, over to the west a little bit. Hey, Hire, Cairo in Grady County.
2: Yep, I'm right there. About right. halfway between Quitman and Boston. I got on it. On Highway 84.
1: Highway 84. Henry, I'll come see you sometime. We'll see you soon.
2: All right. I'll,
1: Thanks a I'll, I'll eat persimmons with you. What about that? Have some for me. 404-872-0750 is the number. we got Marcus in Snellville, Georgia. Hey, Marcus. Good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great. What's up?
2: Great. I'm similar to one of your callers where I've had some trees cut down, some pine trees, and there's really good pine chips and stuff like that, and they left them behind. And I want to know, what can I do with those pine chips, and can I use them in flower beds, or shall I just pretty much get rid of them? Can I till them up in the soil to help amend it?
1: Don't get rid of them. People are realizing more and more how valuable tree chips are and how good they can be for a landscape. Not digging them in, not that necessarily, Marcus, although in a couple of years you might, but what chips really do is they supply nutrients. And as a mulch, they are fabulous, they're terrific, they're wonderful, and if you can't use them all for a mulch, then give them to your neighbors and tell them how good they are and tell them the man on the radio said so. But the chips as they break down, those pine chips as they break down, they do not acidify the soil, they don't poison anything, that's the old wives' tale. But if you use it as a mulch underneath shrubs, trees, as a pathway, if you want to make paths in the backyard, whatever you do, it will enrich the soil underneath. It does not draw nitrogen out unless you do dig them in. And that's the thing I said I'd rather you not do is dig them into the soil until they have completely decomposed in a pile. So if you leave the pile there, Marcus, for, oh, it'll take about 12 months or so, and it might be a little faster if you sprinkle fertilizer all over the top, but it'll decompose into a real, really nice soil amendment, which can be then tilled into the soil, but not when they're fresh. Okay,
2: and they won't cause termites and bugs to get all in them, will it?
1: Nope. I mean, there are bugs certainly in there, and a termite here and there is no big deal, because as long as your house is protected by a termite contract and has a professional company taking care of your house, the termites that eat the chips, that's that's what nature happens. Termites are all over the place, and they don't hurt your house as long as it's protected. If they eat the chips, fine. It breaks them down just the way nature wants it to happen. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for you that. Know, it's something very, very valuable, Marcus. Those chips are more valuable than you realize. And if you can't use all of them, like I said, tell your neighbors because they certainly can use them as well. Mulch is the best way to use them. Uh, chips are fabulous it's 747 we'll be back after this
0: congratulations to walter reeves celebrating 25 years on wsb now back to the lawn and garden show
1: Evil in me? I don't know if I have any erogenous you know, evil in me this morning. The rottenness. Rottenness, not erogenous. What am I, where is my mind, Jason? Where is your mind this morning? Okay, rottenness in my mind. Okay, rot. Right. We're talking about compost. That's fine. A bit of quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mostly sunny today, warming up a little bit. High of 50, low of 32. Partly cloudy tomorrow, high of 53, low of 31. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. And speaking of 95.5, guess what? Clark Howard has worked out a deal where you can get tickets to go see the Atlanta Gladiators Saturday, February 2nd at Infinite Energy Arena for the tickets are only 9.55. You can get them at wsbradio.com. But right now, Ashley Frasca and I are going to give away a four-pack of these nine fifty five tickets to the what caller, Ashley?
5: I'm Clark Howard, and that's a deal.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
5: Thank you, Clark. I agree.
1: <laughs> so who do we give it to? Caller number three. Caller number three to our contest line, 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750. A family four-pack of tickets to see the Atlanta Gladiators on February the 2nd at Infinite Energy Arena. And if you want to go with more people than four and you don't win, nine fifty-five per ticket at wsbradio.com. Through the phones we go. Betsy is here at Atlanta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Good Betsy. morning, Walter. Good morning. How's that? We What's have a
4: row of 12 savannah hollies planted between us and a neighbor mm-hmm. on a narrow Strip. They're about 40 years old, mm. probably, whew, I don't know, maybe 30 feet tall. Nice, big ones. Um, the trunks on many of them have started to sprout, and uh, it's the trunks not, not oh. coming from the roots. Uh-huh. And my question is, one of my questions, is it all right to prune those off?
1: Do you want to just remove them? Completely? Remove
4: them. They're unsightly because this is a narrow strip. Uh-huh. We're looking at the trunks. Uh, they're backed up by a fence, and the trunks are attractive, and the oh, tops are really healthy.
1: I really like the Burford Holly we have at the beginning of my subdivision, and we've done the same thing. Limbed them up and kept the limbs off the bottom part, and I like looking at the trunks of the of the Burford Holly. So sure, on the Savannah, same thing. Take them off. If you don't like them, if they look better without them being there, take okay. them off. Good to. Get them out of there.
4: Yeah. Um, other question is, one of the trunks has what I'm pretty sure is a fungus, and it's um, due, I think, because it was being hit, unbeknownst to us, by an irrigation head mm-hmm. over a period of time. Ah, okay. And it it has little spores, and it's, it's healed up, we've corrected the irrigation problem. Should I use a systemic or a spray Mm. or something? It's just on one section of that trunk.
1: Are you seeing anything more than just the damage there? In other words the top of that tree, the Savannah holly is not turning brown or there's no No,
4: it's it's got a green leaves and it looks otherwise healthy.
1: Leave it alone. Savannah hollies are tough, tough, tough. I don't see any reason to treat Anything okay, don't do it, no, you don't, don't do it anything, well. even
4: though they're patches that have the little spores, looks like spores coming I out.
1: I think that Savannah Holly is doing the best it can inside, inside under the bark, oh. inside the trunk to protect right. itself, and nothing you can do from the outside best is going to do any better than what that Savannah is doing on its own, okay. Leave it alone.
4: Good news. You're a Georgia treasure. I
1: don't know what we'd (laughs) do without you all to love you. Someday, someday. Thanks, (laughs) Betsy. We'll see you soon. Someday a treasure, someday not so much. We'll be back tomorrow, lawn and Garden, after news.